0: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in gloomy New York City, and I suppose we should start on the wild game with a wild ending. Happened Tuesday night in Baton Rouge. Final score, LSU 65, Kentucky 60. (laughs) The last 23 seconds were... Super goofy. It was 61-60 LSU with 23.3 seconds left. Tigers had the ball. They inbounded it. UK's Oscar Shiboy chased it down, stole it, and then threw it to absolutely nobody. That led to Atari Easton dunk, so LSU's up three. Keep up. Follow me here. Kentucky still had 14.4 seconds left and thus a chance to force overtime. These dudes promptly just turned it over again. This time, Xavier Pinson dunked, made it 65-60. Ball game, Kentucky got zero shots on its final two possessions. The Wildcats are now 0-2 in road games, 1-3 in the first two quadrants. Dead leg. Was that a mess or was that a mess at the end for John Calipari's team?
1: It was a total mess. Calipari said afterward he tried to call timeout, so... I didn't say it loud enough. The officials didn't catch it. This would have been when they were down three before what led to the next turnover and, and the Pinson dunk. Um, Kentucky shot 36.2% in this game. It was his lowest percentage of the season. And, you know, I thought Kentucky was going to win this one. Uh, good one for LSU. It it, it it won ugly and it was able to uh, to sustain a, a relatively strong second half performance by by Kentucky. But Kentucky was, you know, shorthanded from a guard perspective. You had multiple players uh, leave the game or not, not be able to play or leave the game with issues. Kellen Grady was ice cold. Then he got hot in the second half. Um, Shibwe was sat for a significant portion of the first half with two fouls. He only wound up having two fouls. So, uh, kind of a bizarre game for UK. Um, good win for LSU in the, in the SEC standings. Both these teams clearly still look capable of of winning the SEC alongside some, some other teams, which we'll get to a, a little bit later there. But yeah, man, that was a that was a wild, wild ending. And because Kentucky wasn't at full strength, like I don't, I don't think you take too much away from this. Uh, you'd like to have, um, frankly, you'd like to have everyone like Sevier Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington, uh, good to go for, for 40 minute stretches. It just wasn't the case there. And I I say, Will Wade, man, his teams, they do thrive in this kind of chaos. Like they have had a little bit of a habit over the past couple of years of of getting into these like frenetic late game situations and and coming out on top. Not every single time they uh, infamously lost to Alabama in the SEC tournament last season, which led to a spirit exchange of words. Between Nate Oates and Will Wade, also Will Will Wade lost his mind in, at the end of the first half of this game too because I don't remember the Kentucky player that got the th- I think I think it was Toppin I think Jacob Toppin hit the three as time expired and Will Wade was about to just turn himself into a supernova so that was uh, not the greatest of looks there but good win for LSU and Kentucky well it has its regrets.
0: Um, Sevier Wheeler only played four minutes. Before he ran into a screen, which doubled as a brick wall. And so he was out for the rest of the game. Obviously, that's devastating for Kentucky. They got other good guards and they've got other good point guards, but you know, he's a guy that runs that offense. And when he wasn't available, that's you know, that, 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 that's an obstacle that's difficult to overcome. Tai Tai Washington was limited by what John Calipari described as cramps. And so you had two, you know, high-level guards that were either out or hobble. And then the Oscar Chibwe stuff drives me absolutely crazy. He picks up his second foul with 11.23 left in the first half. And John Calipari does what so many coaches do, but what is something I've never understood. And that's auto bench him for the rest of the first half. He fouled out his player. He fouled out his player. He benched him because of, quote, foul trouble, but he finished the game with two fouls. So he was never actually in foul trouble. Foul trouble is not a real thing. Foul trouble is, is something people point to um, when, when when coaches voluntarily pull their players out of games. And that's what John did here. And it was a mistake. And I would say this about any coach. It's something I remember talking to Mike Krzyzewski about several years ago, because I noticed he didn't do it ever. He doesn't auto bench with two fouls. And I said... We, we, it was just sort of a you know random conversation I was like hey let me ask you about this I, it was one of those you know you've got the the goat uh available to you and it's like hey l- let me pick your brain about this let me pick your brain about that and I, I said what well, I've noticed you don't auto bench with two fouls but lots of coaches do he said I, I said why? why do you not and he more or less just said it never is never really made sense to me you know like um, you, you gotta be aware of the situation, but the idea that it's just a hard line, if you pick up 2000, the first half, you sit for the rest of the half. Like that's just, you know, that it, it, he didn't say this, but he certainly implied it. And I know there's some data that supports it. It is not it, the, I, it, it is statistically, um, analytically an incorrect way to handle that situation. Now once I've, I've told the story before or even written about it, I had other coaches say to me, well, of course Mike doesn't have to auto bench with 2000, the first half, he just brings in another McDonald's all American off the bench. It, you know, it's not a big deal for him the way it is a big deal for us. And I get that. Like I acknowledge that's, you know, Mike's usually got, more that's, talented.
1: Yeah. That's actually a little bit of a fallacy because she also tends to play with a shorter bench than a lot of other teams, but right.
0: Yeah. I like, I, I, if, if you want to make the point, Mike can go to his bench cause he's got a five-star on his bench. Um, or, or Mark, Mike, Mike doesn't have to go to his bench. Um, because if the player picks up a third foul or a fourth foul, well, he can bring in another five-star and he'll be okay. I don't have five stars, um, to go to if my best players, Actually, do get in real foul trouble. You know, three fouls in the first half, four fouls early in the second half. I I get that. I still think uh, uh, what you'll find over time is that the overwhelming majority of the time coaches auto bench with two fouls, their players never actually foul out of the game. They often don't even get to four fouls. Shebway last night didn't even get to three. And so that is theoretically 11 minutes and 23 seconds that Kentucky's best player could have been on the court in the first half. And he wasn't, and it wasn't because of an injury, and it wasn't because of actual foul trouble. It was because his coach is tied, more or less, to this idea that if you get two fouls in the first half, you can't play again to the second half.
1: A subconscious level, I think, it also tells us how valuable uh, Cal considers Sheboy, which he should. Sheboy's been, you know, top ten level player in America this season. If you now, think,
0: think he's that I, valuable, I keep him on the court.
1: I also true, um, but his. Reluctant nature uh, didn't want a chance. I, we're on the same page entirely. You fouled out your own player. Now at the end of at the end of the uh, at the end of the half here, it was what Kentucky had thirty. And it was it was close game. It was what two point game, three point game. Um, so it didn't it didn't bite him uh, in terms of having a, a significant LSU advantage. But if he's on the floor, then maybe Kentucky's up five or six, and that has a, a difference down the stretch there. The game really flipped. Uh about what like near in the second half of the second half, if you will. Kentucky went more than six minutes without a field goal. LSU went on a 20 to 2 run. It went from like down 10 to up 10. Shibly was on the floor for, for much of that. And this was after the issues had surfaced with uh with tie tie and then the wheeler, uh the wheeler issue as well there. So that's really and then it was kind of close down the down the stretch there. As we talk this morning, uh by virtue of of LSU getting the win, it is one and one in the SEC. Just as Kentucky is now one and one in the SEC, your undefeated teams. Again, we just started league play, but Auburn is the only two and O team in the league, and the Tigers are the lead item in Wednesday's court report, which is not live as we speak here to uh, everyone watching on YouTube. And hello, if you're watching, click the like button, please. If you hey, have YouTube. Subscribed.
0: Please hey, you so. There
1: we go. The court report will be up uh, in a little bit, but I talked to Bruce Pearl before the South Carolina win. So uh, the Tigers are my lead story for the court report. They're 2-0 in the SEC, Alabama, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt, which won at Hello, Arkansas on Tuesday night. Those are your teams that are without a loss right now in SEC play. Kentucky and LSU are the only teams with, uh, with a loss and a win sitting at 1-1. And then Florida and Ole Miss are the teams yet to Play an SEC game. So, uh, as we've mentioned plenty of times in recent weeks, and we'll continue to talk about it, the SEC is a fascinating conference race between Bama, Auburn, Kentucky, LSU, Tennessee. That's probably the five that we're looking at that can win this conference. Arkansas was in that conversation three weeks ago. It's definitely not there now. The Hogs are completely free falling. 0 and 2 in the league. 10 and 4 overall. Uh, lost four of the past five. Who knows what the heck's going on in Fayetteville? But uh, but a really good game between Kentucky and LSU, which have had a, a, a small history of playing some some interesting games with some uh, some wild endings. You, listeners might recall that it was the non- goaltending call, uh, or basket interference call against LSU that wasn't reviewable when LSU beat Kentucky in 2019 at Rupp, that led to the rule change where that can be reviewed if a whistle is blown. Uh, in the final seconds of a game. And so, you know, when the Tigers and Wildcats get together, we get some crazy. We had some crazy there and uh, a good win for Will Wade's team. I did not drop Kentucky in the top 25 and
0: one, by the way. Um, you know, they went on the road and they were in a one point game with 23 seconds left. Um, I'm not going to penalize them for that, but. They are just one and three in the first two quadrants, one and three against top 75 Kim POM teams, zero oh and two in true road games. You concerned about them at all? It's January fifth, and Kentucky's best win is over a who knows what they are North Carolina
1: team. Um, not concerned. Uh, you know, I don't think Kentucky is going to wind up being. They wouldn't be in my grouping right now of ten most likely Final Four candidates, but I put them in the top twenty. I still think, given how good Sheboy has been. Uh, actually some real nice, like (laughs) Jacob Toppin had a hell of of a game. He really did. Um, and I do like, I like, I like Ty Ty Washington a lot. Uh, Again, could have been a cramps issue there if, and like Grady is a classic. He was ice cold in the first half and then completely, just something changed there in the second half. I still think they can put it all together. So no, not, not a ton, but. Feel free to you know circle around and ask me again if we look up at the end of the month and Kentucky has lost at home to Tennessee and they lost they lose at Auburn or whatever and they, they've got the wins over Georgia Vanderbilt Texas a And M perhaps Mississippi State they could still be in that kind of situation I don't think they will be I think they're going to have at least uh, one of those wins either over the Vols or over Auburn uh, by the end of the month and then they'll have a, another notable win but it's worth it's worth taking stock of I did I don't have Palms latest bracketology. Up in front of me, he refreshed his bracket forecast on Monday, so I don't know where Kentucky is. Looking at this resume, I'd blindly say Kentucky is a well, after the loss, I, I and there's a lot of weird ones out there. I'd say low end 4C, but if you told me there are five, that's probably what they look like right now, but there's plenty of work to do. Um, okay. We
0: will circle back to Kentucky at some point. That seems guaranteed. Uh, let's move on for now. There were some other interesting results from the past couple of nights. Wisconsin, one at Purdue, Providence got rocked at Marquette. We're going to bounce around a little bit next, but first check this
1: out. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So there were some other interesting results besides LSU over Kentucky from the past couple of nights. The most notable, I think, was Purdue getting upset at home by Wisconsin? Dayleg, that's your preseason number one team. That's your pick to win the national championship. You're not concerned about Kentucky? Fine. You
1: concerned about Purdue? Looking a little shaky. A little shaky. Not concerned about Purdue because the game wasn't about Purdue. We can talk about Purdue and it loses at home. Sure. There are some who thought Purdue was never going to lose at home this season.
0: That sounds like I, I see what you're doing. You're understandable trying to take a
1: shot understandable at opinion. It. I might that's have. My, that's
0: it. my friend and colleague, John Rostin. You're trying to bring
1: up old tweets. I'm not. You actually you are the one that actually just brought it up. I didn't say anything about Rostin. But you, if you, you want to if you want to embarrass your colleague right now on the podcast, that's your decision. But that's yeah.
0: what you were referencing. I know. who. I know what you were doing. That's what oh, you were referencing. I you know no what? what if you don't mind, let me get Rostin's back for a second. It was a totally reasonable opinion that nobody's going to win at Mackey this year. And then, um, I agree. And then, you know, what happened? It wasn't anarchy.
1: It was just college basketball. Okay. It wasn't anarchy. It was just college basketball. I'm not that concerned about Purdue still the number one ranked offense in the country. And you still can make the case that trivial Williams, Jaden Ivey and Zach Eady are three of the 20 most valuable best crucial pieces in the sport right now. So no, don't, I still, I'm still on Purdue. It's it's more about Wisconsin and Johnny Davis and what he was able to do uh, in that game, man. I mean, Johnny Davis, I don't think, I don't know if he'd be my number one choice for national player of the year right now. He's averaging... Uh, what is he averaging here? This I got is- it all. I did the he prep while you, were, while you were before Googling around. I, I yeah. got it all. He's averaging 22.3 points, 7.3 rebounds, 2.5 assists. But he's not overly efficient. He's been awesome, but he goes against Keegan Murray on Thursday, which we'll get to a little later. Murray's got uh, stats that are uh, just as good, if not better, on even better efficiency. But Wisconsin has been phenomenal. Johnny Davis is incredible. He had 37 and 14 career highs there. And helped Punk Purdue. It was uh, it was an awesome, awesome showing and a great win for Wisconsin, which has become one of the surprise teams in the nation this season. Uh, not quite to the level of an Iowa State, but Wisconsin was certainly more of a question mark. And Johnny Davis is a first team All American, and he is, with all due respect to your boy Walker Kessler, Johnny Davis, after averaging like seven and four as an off the bench guy a season ago, is the breakout player in America. And Greg Gard, he's a silent assassin.
0: He is a silent assassin. Um, I agree with you about Johnny Davis being the breakout star. How about this? I went and looked at our top 101 list of college basketball players. We had Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana. We had SMU's Kendrick Davis. We had Detroit's Antoine Davis. No Johnny Davis. We left the best Davis off.
1: We did. We did. Uh, not even not even under consideration. You can't never, never
0: you. even typed his name anywhere. It, it was never there was never even a moment where somebody said, what do you think about Johnny Davis? In fact, I'm confident that out of the four of us who were involved in this email chain, if somebody would have said, what about Johnny Davis? Somebody else would have at least privately said, who's Johnny Davis again?
1: <laughs> and who would that person have been?
0: <laughs> Probably me. It might have been me. He's uh, He was ranked 164th in the class of 2020, according to 24-7 sport. Just a three-star prospect, whatever. And then he, you know, I guess a three-star prospect averaging seven and four as a freshman at a Big Ten school is, you know, that's fine. But there was no reason for anybody to think Johnny Davis was going to be an All-American this season. Like, what are we talking about? And this is one of my – I wrote about this in the Top 25 and 1 – Tuesday morning, um, yeah. After the Wisconsin win at Purdue, um, like there's a lot of things that make college basketball fun. I, I reject when people say college basketball is the best. It's not the best. It, 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 there's there's a the best man. It, it, it's just it's just not. But it is great. And among the things that make it great um, are the you know the traditional rivalries, the um, incredible on campus environments that, you know, you get at places like Allen Fieldhouse and and the Kennel and Cameron Indoor and NBA arenas just don't replicate that. Like college basketball will never be able to match the NBA from a basketball perspective, you know, because they got all the pros and uh, we got all the amateurs. Um, It it, it, would never be able to match it from a shot-making ability or a playmaking ability or any sort of actual basketball thing. But where college basketball can be more interesting and better than the NBA is, um man, look at that scene. I love that. And as I noted, one of the things I also love about the sport is that nearly every year there is a breakout player, a returning player. Nobody saw breaking out in any sort of meaningful way who breaks out in a an incredibly meaningful way. Two years ago. Probably Luca Garza at Iowa, um, the first season that he was a legitimate national player of the year candidate. And this season, undeniably, it's Johnny Davis. There is nothing like at least with Walker Kessler, I could say this guy was a five star recruit coming out of high school. And then he got caught in the numbers game at North Carolina, barely played. But when he played, he was productive. I could easily see him now playing besides Jabari Smith, breaking out and being, you know, a high level player for a final four contender. In fact, that is what I said, and it has turned out to be true. There was nothing to point to with Johnny Davis. You can't point to where he was ranked coming out of high school. You can't point to what NBA people think about him. You can't point to what he did as a freshman. And now here he is averaging 22.3 points, 7.3 rebounds for a team that just won at Mackey Arena. It's a fabulous story, and college basketball provides those, again, nearly every year.
1: Wisconsin's 28th in the net as of Wednesday morning with three and one records in both quad one and quad two. Greg Gar's done a, a really fine job for himself and he's somewhere as he's sitting at that table for, national coach of the year. We had a dribble handoff that went up on Tuesday and we each gave our suggestions for that guard didn't win. And I don't think he's the front runner than even the number two or number three choice, but he's, he's somewhere in that four to eight range with what he's been able to do. And Johnny Davis has been a huge part of that. You take Johnny Davis off that roster. And I really don't think that Wisconsin is an NCAA tournament level kind of team that speaks to his value and why he is a clear cut first team, all American candidate at this point. Again, Johnny Davis is going to go up against Keegan Murray, On Thursday, uh, Wisconsin versus Iowa, Keegan Murray is first nationally in points per game. Johnny Davis was second nationally in points per game until last night when another Big Ten player, Kofi Coburn, jumped him. So right now it's Murray with 24.5, Coburn's at 22.5, Johnny Davis at 22.3. Points per game. Oh, by the way, Illinois' Alfonso Plummer leads the nation in foul shooting at 97.6. So the Big Ten was already overrun with all American level kind of players heading into the season. And now Keegan Murray, who isn't as surprising of a development as Davis, because Murray was expected to be the guy to have to carry Iowa. And he's done, he's gone even beyond that. He's been. He's been fantastic. But those two players have crashed the party that in the preseason, we thought it'd be Coburn, Jackson Davis, Travion Williams, E.J. Liddell, even Hunter Dickinson. And uh, and now a couple of wings are, are in there. And, uh, yeah, the Big Ten's got no shortage of, uh, of stars. Speaking of Dickinson, by the way, uh, kind of ping-ponging around, just a quick note, Rutgers <laughs> beat Michigan. Beat them um, bad. Beat them bad for the first time in program history at the rack. So Rutgers is now 1-14 in all-time against Michigan, um, and man, oh man, so good on Rutgers for, you know, continuing to try and uh, build an at-large case, and they've got uh, that great win, obviously, over Purdue, and now the win over Michigan loses value by pure virtue of them beating Michigan, but Michigan's 7-6, and six. and so I got asked for my mailbag portion of today's court report, you know, can Michigan go 500 in the Big Ten and get in a large bid. And my definitive answer to that is no. There's it's seven and six now, and I don't care if that's a 20 games slate that they wind up playing. They go 10 and 10, or to the the Big Ten cynics out there that know what happened last year with the Wolverines when they did not play a full schedule, even if that means they go eight and eight or whatever. It's not going to be enough. Michigan's now. I think it's clear after what happened on Tuesday night, Michigan will need to finish. In my opinion, not even knowing how the rest of the sports going to pan out with other bubble teams, because none of these you know results happen in a vacuum, as we say. I think Michigan will need to be three games above 500 heading into the big 10 tournament to feel like it's got in that large case. It's just, it's, it's all really slipped away. So we don't have to harp too much on Michigan, but um, I mentioned Dickinson there and that was a a recent result as well, but it was just, it was Paris. I watched the, I watched that amongst a bunch of other games. It was a loaded seven o'clock slate on Tuesday and, it was never really all that competitive. Rutgers took control early, had control, and wound up winning the game easily. And so good on Rutgers winning at the rack. But Michigan, yeah, you're officially – it's it's an every-game uh, live-and-die situation here for your tournament life going forward. Um, back
0: to Wisconsin. The Badgers are now 11-2, and two, but remember, Johnny Davis didn't play in the loss to Providence. So the only team that has beaten Wisconsin when Johnny Davis is in the lineup this season is trivia time. Who is it, Deadleg?
1: My phone's blowing up right now. I didn't hear it. Go ahead and say it again. <sighs> say it again. I didn't hear you. Didn't hear it at all. Thought you were ramping up for another six-minute monologue. Go ahead. it up. Wisconsin off. is
0: 11-2, and two, but only lost once with Johnny Davis in the lineup. He didn't play against Providence in that loss. Right. So what's the only team to beat full-strength Wisconsin this season?
1: Hmm. It's funny, if you would have... I know the Providence one. Providence got absolutely mutilated. Murdered. Murdered. Dude, that was... I don't even know what the hell happened there, by the way. Credit to Shaka Smart for getting his first Big East win. Providence, with the no-show of all no-shows. That was a blowtorch to the Friars. Yeah, I don't know. I I can't recall it off the top of my head. Who is it? He just doesn't get any credit. No, yeah, is that what it was? Oh, Chris, Chris Holdman. I, I, I literally I just say. failed to give him credit. He just doesn't get credit. Myself. He just is incredible. What does he gotta do? I played myself there.
0: What does he gotta do? And I know you say you're not worried about Purdue. I don't guess I am either, but um, they've now lost twice as a double-digit favorite. Lost to Rutgers as a 13 and a half point favorite, lost to Wisconsin as a 12 and a half point favorite. Number one in adjusted offensive efficiency, according to Ken Pom. number 70 in adjusted defensive efficiency. As I saw somebody tweet, and it's kind of true, this is very much like Iowa last season.
1: Yes. And you had the whole research. I don't know if you have that pulled up or not, but you did a whole deal on uh I think you did this after the team won the national championship where you should really look at it going into the tournament, but there's a threshold where we haven't had a national champion be ranked this low in defensive efficiency at site.
0: Yeah. Like, um, you, obviously the best thing you can be is great at both, but you have to at least be great at one and good at the other. If you're going to try to actually play in the, you know, and win the final game of the season. And right now Purdue is great at one on the offensive end and just, um, you know, not not great at the other. Iowa last season, by the way, number three in offensive efficiency, number 75 in defensive efficiency. Lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament to Oregon, 95-80. Purdue right now, number one in offensive efficiency, number 70 in defensive efficiency. That's a problem that, you know, Matt Painter and his staff are, are going to have to get fixed. Or, at the very least, history suggests there's a, there's a ceiling on what that team can actually accomplish. Um, but I still like the pieces. Um, Matt's terrific if you're counting out Purdue or even um, discounting Purdue on the fifth day of 2022, you're you're getting a little ahead of yourself, but there are some things quite clearly that needs to get fixed. And after the game on Monday night, Matt, you know, he acknowledged this. He said, we learned a lesson here and um, you know, you'd rather not have to lose to learn lessons, but you know, we lost and We're going to learn a lesson from this. And so uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. The Providence Marquette thing. Ooh. 88-56, 88-56, Shaka Smart's Golden Eagles win. Providence's starters shot only 28.6% from the field in the loss. I mean, this thing got lopsided quickly yeah. and was never competitive. And it speaks to you know something I said last night on Inside College Basketball, something I've referenced before, among the reasons I've had Purdue lower than some Purdue fans would like them to be. Um, Listen, uh, I mean, uh, had had uh, Providence lower than some Providence fans would like me to have Providence. Um, Like, listen, Ed Cooley is doing an incredible job. That team's good, I think. But, you know, some of the context matters. You know, the win over Wisconsin, no Johnny Davis. The win over UConn, UConn was shorthanded. The win over Seton Hall, Seton Hall was shorthanded. Um, You don't have to apologize for getting those wins. Um, you know, you take advantage of whatever set of circumstances are in front of you, especially in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime, because there's probably going to be spots where you're the one missing players and somebody going to try to take advantage of that. Um, so again, you don't have to apologize for winning those games when those other teams were shorthanded, but we can acknowledge if we're speaking truthfully to each other, that uh, Providence has taken advantage of, of shorthanded situations across from them. Uh, my point being, uh Rostine last night said after this game that Marquette is probably better than its record. And I think that's true. What I think is also true is Providence probably isn't as good uh, as its record. And that might've showed itself a little bit on Tuesday night. I still kept the Friars in the top 25 and one at number 25, I believe, but you know, the computer numbers strength, of record still strong, but the other computer numbers aren't really there for Providence right now. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens when, when they, they, you know, we'll, we'll see how how they bounce back from this positively or negatively, but that was a pretty, as a rough
1: showing on Tuesday night, Kansas got a win over Oklahoma state on the road. And that was the first game in big 12 play, uh, for those teams, Oklahoma state was coming off pause. It had been, uh, on the shelf as a team for well over a week and kind of a weird game. Uh, but KU 12 and one again, only One shot away from Dayton from being undefeated at this point and probably being the number two team in the country behind Baylor. Any thoughts on what the Jayhawks did? Well, it was interesting. Um,
0: Bill Self, I don't want to say bench David McCormick because he didn't bench him. I mean, he played 23 minutes. But put him out of the starting lineup in advance of the game. McCormick's been not very good this season. He started the first 12 games of the season. His points are down. Rebounds are down. Minutes are down. All that stuff. And so Bill pulls McCormick as a starting lineup goes with Mitch Lightfoot last night. And then McCormick comes off the bench, 17 points, 15 rebounds, a career high, 15 rebounds, his best performance of the season by far. So I don't know if it was, uh, you know, motivate. I don't, you know, i never try, you know, good luck trying to ever figure out that kind of stuff. Um, but like It was an approach that worked. It was a strategy that was effective because McCormick came off the bench and was fabulous. And, you know, Kansas was able to win by double digits on the road despite missing its final 19 shots of the first half. What? How do you even do that? Like eight-year-old teams don't miss 19 shots in in in, in a row.
1: I'm not even mad. That's impressive. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the
0: other thing. Like, how sick are you if you're Mike Boynton and you're like, these dudes just missed 19 straight shots and we're tied going into the half. <laughs> like, like we, I think Mike even said that after the game. Like, if they're gonna miss 19 shots in a row, we've got to be up. The fact that they were tied 20, I think it was 29-29 after Kansas missed 19 shots in a row seemed to suggest bad things for Oklahoma State because in the second half, then Kansas pulls away, wins by 11, and um, you know, as, as I wrote. In Wednesday mornings, top 25 and one, this is not a perfect Kansas team. They don't have some, you know, uh, one and done lottery pick. Um, I'm not sure they have a lottery pick period. Ocha Abadji is probably going to get picked, but I don't know if it's going to be in the lottery. Um, But they do have a hall of fame coach and they do have plenty of good veteran college basketball players. And if not for a Dayton shot, a Dayton offensive rebound and then a shot bouncing off the rim and bouncing straight in, Um, you know, the week of Thanksgiving, Kansas would be undefeated right now and ranked either first or second in the country, depending on what you wanted to do with Baylor under those circumstances. But before Kansas lost to Dayton, it was ahead of Baylor. So you would have had to decide Baylor's just beating everybody's brains in. I'm going to jump them over Kansas, which is probably would have been the smart thing to do, but either way, Kansas, would be a top-two team in America right now, according to the rankings, if not for that weird Dayton shot. You know, Bill Self's got a chance to win his second national championship. I don't think he's the favorite. I don't know that he'll do it, but he's got a team good enough to do it. It's not his best Kansas team ever, not his most talented Kansas team ever, but it is a team that is good enough in this particular year to maybe win a national title.
1: Agreed. And, yeah, nice – a nice performance there from McCormick who responded well. And as you said, career high with 15 boards Uh, real quick, just around Tuesday night, you mentioned Baylor Baylor got the win at home over Oklahoma, 84, 74, Oklahoma actually put up a pretty, a pretty good battle. A pretty, you know, a a nice, a nice showing in a loss there for Porter Moser's team. Uh, But James Akinjo had 27 points and looked terrific. And, you know, what do you want from us? Bayload continues to uh, to look awesome. Texas went on the road, one by 13 at Kansas State. I think that's a good sign, particularly because Marcus Carr, he had 19 points and seven rebounds and five assists. So Marcus Carr starting to uh, to maybe round in the form after we talked about his uh, underwhelming performance on the whole uh, in the non-conference portion of the schedule. The f- chat, by the way, has been going nuts over wake forest while we've been talking about other stuff here they were also talking about virginia clemson i can't get into that although virginia won by 10 on the road virginia's two most recent games over the course of like two and a half weeks have come against clemson they split so virginia you know i don't know if they're going to the tournament or not but they they dodge getting swept by the tigers uh but Wake Forest, The, the wake forest thing is real i mean they blew out florida
0: state wake forest is good
1: wake forest won 76 54 uh, had lost his two previous games after starting 11-1. Uh, it w- There were road tests. So Wake dropped against Louisville and then dropped against Miami, but gets the win over Florida State. So, yes, Wake Forest is 12-3 and at this point. And I've also got a thing in the court report later today on the ACC and how anemic it is. And trivia time. Okay, what? Let's go. Two-parter here. All right. You can play along in the YouTube chat. You can always play along at home if you're listening to this later as well. I'll try and give you a little bit of time to, uh, to think about it. All right, first part of this trivia time is fewest bids in the expanded tournament era, so since 85. UMass Lowell. The fewest bids, what's the number? Hmm. It's happened twice. The fewest bids the ACC has ever had in the NCAA tournament. Three. Ding, ding. I need to get a correct, I gotta get a correct sound on that. That's a winner for GP. Okay, that's a win to to the people that track this. That part is a win. We'll see if he gets... If you get one of these two years, it's also a win. If you can't get either. It's happened two, two times. It's, the ACC has only sent three teams to the NCAA tournament. They were in back-to-back years. So, since 1985, what years? I hope. Don't look at the comments. What years? Were, give me at least one. Only three bids. 1999. Okay. I, I, I'm thinking you looked at the comments. No,
0: I remember it. It was 1999, followed Why by two thousand. Huh? You don't remember this. No I remember sure. that like it was yesterday. Okay, then name the
1: teams. I remember that like the birth of my children. Name the teams. The teams that made it that year? Yeah, if you remember it like the birth of your children, clearly you're going to remember the teams that made it.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, it yeah. was uh, Duke.
1: <laughs> Duke, yeah, right? Of course it was Duke, yes.
0: Yeah, and then, of course, it was um, North Carolina.
1: Mm. Was it, though? Who did, North yeah. lose, who did North Carolina lose to in the 1999 NCAA tournament? UMass Lowell? No, very, very famous upset.
0: Yeah, it was... Um... I keep coming back to UMass
1: Lowell. I think it was probably UMass Lowell. UMass Lowell was not a Division One program at that, that time. Yeah, they don't, I don't 1999, think that matters. NCAA tournament. UNC loses. A man nicknamed the show. Harold Arsenault? And he played for? UMass Lowell. Weber State. Weber State, of course. That's where Damian Lillard... It's Dame time. The three ACC teams to make the NCAA tournament in 1999 were Duke, North Carolina, and...
0: Nineteen ninety nine was Duke, North Carolina, and
1: I mean, who could even Maryland? Look at you? Look at me. In two thousand, the three ACC tournament ACC teams to make the NCAA tournament were Duke, North Carolina, and Maryland. Ding, ding, ding! How about that? I thought Maryland might trip you up there they were in the acc back then yes kids maryland is an acc program i still still, i'm 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 pretty much adjusted but still every
0: once in a while i'll be looking at the scoreboard uh, score like uh you know the the upcoming games like scoreboard whatever and it'll be like uh maryland at iowa and i'm like why is maryland playing iowa tonight what a weird game to play in february and then you go oh yeah they're in the Big Ten for some reason. Money. And I money did not
1: trivia time dynamic where the li- where the listeners can answer in real time. I might have pulled away right there. I might have taken I an insurmountable lead. He-
0: I I in, in uh, trivia time today. I am I Marquette. And you're Providence. I'm the Marquette of trivia time. You're the Providence of trivia time.
1: You, I guess you just accused Shaka Smart of being a cheater because there's no shot you pulled that off the top of your head. Credit to the, the commenter who dropped 99 and 2000. And I said, don't look at the comments and then it's over. But you did get the teams right. Give them that. Give them it. Give I it got home. the teams right legitimately on my own. That
0: I I, I like 100% it. saw I believe Matt uh, put 1999 and 2000 in the
1: comments and I just I trusted him. I figured he knows more about this than I do. Yep. So this anyway this week's court report also has a little thing on the ACC because the ACC might have that same situation and unlike in '99 and 2000 when it was 64 team field if you only send three in a 68 team field could be a case that this is the nadir of the acc we'll have to wait and see on that but wake has looked has looked solid so far steve forbes doing a good job Alondis williams has been uh fantastic the only other result that i wanted to touch on uh from the past couple of days was illinois blitzed minnesota illinois is not Ranked currently, now it's clearly on pace to jump in in a significant way in the AP Top 25. I did not look at your ranking, so do you, do you have the I ranked? Literally
0: first team out. Um, you know, like I, I I know the context with the losses. You know, two of them or like one of them came without COVID. I understand what what find Illinois you. Did is they find you
1: already. They're gonna find you. I'm just, I'm just saying, Illinois fans, they're on a tear. They're gonna
0: find you. Well, like okay, I was in a bad spot then. Who do I want to get beat up by? Providence fans or Illinois fans? That's where I was at. You know, which- my le- my lesbian artist coming from my neck okay. every day.
1: Which fan base would you, which fan base, w- would you least like to fight? The Providence fan base or the Illinois fan base? I've had I've had enough of the Providence fan base. If you want me to tell the truth, okay. My my I didn't
0: mind it so much when my lesbian artist was just criticizing me over lack of of ranking Providence, but now she's getting personal. Now she's getting personal. She's commenting on my appearance. I never commented on hers. She said I'm lazy. Lazy? <laughs> I have 50 jobs. What do you mean lazy? I can't even sleep at night. I have no idea how I'm going to get through this day. I'm a lot of things. Not lazy. All I do is work. Lesbian artist is getting too personal with me. She's talented. She's talented,
1: but she's getting a little personal. She is talented. I tell you what, those Providence fans—they're—they're they're bite your ankles crazy sometimes. I think, <laughs> I, I think I think I'd rather take on uh, the Will Leach Tom Fornelli army if uh, if given the choice there. So you might be on the uh, you might be on the right track. So Illinois is GP's first team out. Uh, now a top 10 team in three-point accuracy. Illinois is shooting 40% from beyond the arc as a team. Again, still no Andre Carbello back. Um, they're also hitting. They're, they're making more than 10 a game. So Illinois has been able to, to shoot from beyond the arc, which helps because, hello, Coburn. He had 29 and 10 against Minnesota. As I mentioned earlier, he's now second nationally in scoring. He's a first-team All-American if we were to stop stop the race and do the voting today i don't even think that's arguable he's had eight double doubles this season you can only put five players as first team all America. he's second in scoring and third in rebounding and and he's kofi coburn if this is even possible has actually somewhat quietly been a first team all-american now maybe some of that's because of the losses combined with season but you're second in scoring third in rebounding shooting at a, an efficient clip and you know dominant big man he is a first team all american at this point. So Illinois fans I got your back on that and your team will be in the power rankings on Thursday and uh, a good win for the Illini which if they can win through the weekend then they're going to wind up being ranked. At least I would I would think so at this point. GP's got him as the first team out, but at 10 and 3 hosting Maryland on Thursday, you beat the Terps at home, you'll be at 11 and 3 and I would think you're going to be ranked come Monday.
0: Um, let's look ahead a little bit to the next couple of nights. Um, there are some interesting matchups. Um, on Wednesday night, number 15, Alabama at Florida. Number 25, Texas Tech at number 11, Iowa State. We had mentioned on the previous podcast that Kim Pom had Iowa State projected as underdogs Underdogs in each of the next five games. Betting markets, given a little more credit to Iowa State. Iowa State is actually a two-point favorite over Texas Texas Tech tonight, Wednesday night, inside Hilton Coliseum, the betting markets are 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 operating under the assumption that Hilton Magic will reappear.
1: Yeah, I'm interested to see how Iowa State responds to. Uh- The Red Raiders in the spot after having, you know, the biggest game of their season over the weekend here. Texas Tech, I feel like, has been stuck at number 25. And stuck's a good thing. You're ranked. But they've been the number 25 team in the AP Top 25 for like five straight weeks. They don't move up. They don't get kicked out. They've just been hanging there (laughs) at 25. Uh, Mark Adams is 10-2 and right now. Uh, The two best teams Texas Tech has played, or two of the three best teams Texas Tech has played, they've lost to at Providence against Gonzaga, did beat Tennessee in that hideous game at MSG there. So we'll see what happens on the road. Um, Certainly an intriguing game there. Uh, The other one you said was Alabama at Florida, right? O-Dome. They might just walk in. It's hard. It used to be hard to walk into the O-Dome. See, now, you're you need to get to this place with pinnacle. You're not there yet, but you you are there with the O Dome, and this is for people that have listened to this podcast for more than a couple of years, because it used to be that you couldn't just walk into the O Dome. Now, you know, people do walk into the O Dome every once in a while. They, they got some. There's some liberty when it comes to entering those doors, and so Florida is nine and three, and you know has a has an opportunity at home that it should really try and. I would advise taking advantage of there. Uh, we might have to reassess the Gators if they not only lose, but if the game is competitive. But I do think it will be uh, in that spot. There's one other game on Wednesday that is notable, in my opinion, and that is Creighton playing against Villanova. Um, that's an 830 tip on Fox Sports 1. Creighton's been a refreshing suppi- surprise, 10-3 and team. Already beat Villanova like three weeks ago when that game was in Omaha, somewhere in middle America. So since then, the only game that Creighton's played was on Saturday when it won in double OT against Marquette. So a chance to sweep the Wildcats there. So keep an eye on that. That's a a Wednesday special. Um, Thursday night, number 13, Ohio State at Indiana.
0: Iowa, you've mentioned this, at number 23, Wisconsin. And then welcome back to the sport, Long Beach State and UCLA. They're scheduled to play at Poly Pavilion. It'll be UCLA's first game since December 11th. Long Beach State's uh, first game since December 12th. Mm-hmm. And if the game actually gets played, who knows. I, I mean, missed. who who knows? Who who could who knows. But if the game gets played, 20% of UCLA's first 10 games will have come against Long Beach today. They've already played once this season. It seems like two teams like finally got healthy. They were like, "Hey, uh Mick Mick got on the phone and was like, "Hey, you want to you want to drive up and play a game Thursday night?" If you got a minute, we'll give you $65,000, something like that. And so now we get UCLA, you know, Long Beach State for the second time
1: this season. Yeah, Mick Cronin had to be just out of his mind here. He had a quarantine for 10 days. Team just, you know, a couple, lo- you know, losing scheduled game after scheduled game. Uh, that's, that's rough. Uh, Ohio State at Indiana. Indiana coming off uh, a loss here. Ohio State recently off pause so we'll see what happens there. Iowa at Wisconsin just love the Davis Keegan Murray man. Couple of uh, these look like top 20 picks. And so yeah, I mean that's the thing. Both these guys have emerged as legitimate NBA draft candidates. Yes. I think this is wonderful stuff. Um one because going into the season Iowa and Wisconsin were not projected to be NCAA tournament teams. You know, I had them and that's not just me, but I'm just saying for reference my 1 to 358 I had both these teams, I believe, in the 50s overall. So if you're in in the 50 range, you're not uh projected to be good enough to be uh an at-large worthy uh squad, but Wisconsin's clearly going there. I was pacing well. You get a win on the road against Bucky, that would really do do wonders there. And yeah, uh Keegan Murray's averaging like better than he's at like more north of 30 points on 65% shooting in the past four games. He's been on fire. He's been awesome. And so uh, just this is a wonderful head-to-head. Couple of wings that uh, do some really great stuff. That is the that is the game on Thursday night. Iowa at Wisconsin and two All-American candidates. I think that's wonderful. There's one other game you did not mention though on Thursday.
0: Well, I, you didn't? I can't mention it. I can't mention everything. Dead leg. I got to go test again in a minute. Wish me luck. By the way, <laughs> wishing wishing you luck on that. We got San Francisco loyal Chicago, buddy. Oh yeah, it's an on-the-fly. Let's make it happen, game.
1: Uh, yeah, it's I. I actually just texted Todd Golden. It's 7:50 on the West Coast, so he, he might be like. Uh, uh, well, actually, I would think he's in Salt Lake City now. So maybe it's it's that. I, I, last I knew, this game has no television. <laughs> so, um, had the story go up on Monday. Uh, San Francisco lost its game Thursday against Gonzaga. I, I you know, it didn't lose its game. It was the schedule game is not happening. It's got, Put it I, on Pac-12 Network. It, well, the same so, thing. Uh, And then Loyola was supposed to play Illinois State. So both those teams lost their opponents for their upcoming games there. San Francisco, it just so happens, did not schedule its maximum amount of 31 games. It intentionally left one game open just in case something like this happened. Todd Golden might have seen... Todd Golden might have been the only person in college athletics to see the Omicron variant coming. But because of that... Smart guy. It was, exactly. He he was able to, uh, to, to shift into this... Drew Valentine, all too eager because Loyola was on pause recently. So they worked on getting a a neutral venue and they settled on Utah. They were going to try and get the Utah Jazz's home arena. That was not achievable. So they're playing at uh, at a community college in Salt Lake City. And they're trying to get this game on television. Um, I was actually told, like, the game is supposed to be at, Two Eastern noon mountain. And if it could get pushed back later, then TV might be more doable, but are the teams willing to push that game back? Cause then they got to fly back and they got to play on the weekend and all that stuff. Uh, so I don't know if this game is going to be, I think they're going to try and make it happen, but there's no guarantee yet. It's the it seems seemed like a lot of trouble to me. You the, know? Part of this is, that <clears throat> this is the best mid-major game on conference matchup. I think of the season. I mean, Loyola is a top 25 team in the net and in Ken Palm. San Francisco has been top 35 in Ken Palm for the entire season. Top 40. Golden's literally texting me right now. He said, we're still working on it. Might just have to stream it. The combination of a short time frame and the weird time window has made it challenging. So yeah, th- this game... Might be on some sort of bizarre. Put it, on in, inst- put it on Instagram Live. I I was joking with them <clears throat> that it should be like on a Facebook Live kind of deal. So that might be it. But the point is, like, this is a a high level mid major game, and it ha it will have input. This is a bracket busters kind of feel. I I love that these coaches, both of them young, by the way, Valentine's thirty, Golden's I think like thirty five, maybe. Uh, they want to schedule at this level of ambition, and they they were they haven't run from it because the reality is when you see a team that's tournament worthy that loses a game because of scheduling again you know it gets axed or postponed a lot of these coaches are willing to play another game against a team that is either a complete cupcake or they can benefit because the team is better than them like both these schools have tried to schedule other power conference teams on the fly this season and those coaches have been like you know what? We're good. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, these guys aren't scared of, uh, of of scheduling anything. Why should they be, with, considering the spots they're in? So that's that's my game of Thursday, man. Dons versus Ramblers, couple of at-large mid-major candidates. Uh, I hope we get to see it in some sort of capacity. But yeah, th- another factor with all this stuff was you want this game to be on television because, you know, selection committee people, you know, you'd like to have them watching if possible. But that might not be the case. It might be a weird stream, but uh, this is just... I I do love this idea that it takes... College football will schedule games 15 years out, and college basketball can turn around and schedule a game in 24 hours' time that's happening three days from now, and they're going to do it at a JUCO in the middle of Utah. I think this is just tremendous, tremendous stuff, and uh, I'm eager to hopefully watch in some capacity. Again, the game is scheduled to be played at 2 Eastern Noon Mountain on Thursday.
0: Shouts! To Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Jeff Gibson, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again listening to Ion College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. What in the world? What in the world? You're up against it right now. I got an I got an eleven fifteen Eastern test. Rapid. I passed my first rapid yesterday. Passed a PCR. But you know, a lot of things can change in 24 hours. Dead leg, this variant doesn't mess around. That's right.
1: But I know I, you could be this. This could be your backdrop for the next two and a half weeks.
0: I mean, like you know, like I'm not. I'm being serious for a second. If I if I were to pop positive, and I feel fine, and I'm double vax and boosted, the whole deal. But if I were to pop positive because, like you know, everybody is, I'm stuck here. I can't go home and see my family, which means my wife is raising a family by herself. It's complicated.
1: She's never done that before.
0: <laughs> I know but she doesn't enjoy it. It's a lot. It's a lot on her dead leg. It's a lot of responsibility. I should be there to help. So it's very important that I get a negative test here in about you know,
1: 25 minutes or something. I I, I agree with you on this. By the way, I will not be on Friday's episode. Oh, boo! Boo! I'm always going to be on the mountain. I'm going up to Vermont, getting some ski time in. Let's go. Let's go! I've been waiting between this pandemic. Dumb one. Dumb, dumb, dumb. the, uh, The herniated disc I had two years ago that prevented me from a season from skiing. Been waiting a long time for this one. So it will be... Shouts to Kyle Boone but he is he's still on the mend here hope you're doing well KB he listens to every episode but strong David, jaw David Cobb will be making his return on Friday please do tune into the live stream and watch uh, a couple of a couple of Memphis adjacent fellas do their thing and make their picks. I wish you nothing but the best of luck and uh I should be back for the Sunday night episode live stream and uh, yeah so just a just a heads up there for the uh, for the listeners but that's all I got. I really hope that you test negative. We're going PCR here or rapid? You going to know in the next hour or maybe a little bit of a, of a lag time? What do we should got? know within the next hour. So
0: if you see me on TV tonight, everything's good. If you turn it on and it's just Adam Zucker and Wally Zerbiak and Brandon Rush, things didn't go so well. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can leave five stars at both those places. You can leave a review at Apple Podcasts, so if you've ever had sex before you were married, please go do that. We need a five star review from you. There's more of us than there are of them. We gotta offset them. We gotta offset them. There's more of us than there are of them. Smash the like button. Show me your rhythm, dead leg. How you would do it? How would you do it? That's my rhythm. A little. I don't know about that. I don't know how I feel about that.
1: You want some more rhythm? Yeah. I got some, I got some rhythm for you.
0: <laughs> let's go do it. Come on. <laughs> Coach K's got good rhythm. Okay, Let's get the hell out of here. Good rhythm for a man his age. You don't mind me saying. <laughs>
1: get out of here.
0: It's not bad, you know? Not bad for a man his age. Or any age. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. It's very important, I'm told. Smash the like button. That's important too. We'll talk to you again <laughs> on Friday morning. Until
1: then, take